now, your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. We will succeed. Our country always wins. That is why I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Therefore, the following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. All right. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. It's Tuesday. That was, uh, if you hadn't heard any of that, that was part of a speech made by President Donald Trump last night. Not entirely sure if it was helpful. Nothing about George Floyd or racism or hints of anything that gotten us to this point, right? We didn't, we didn't want to bring that up. Nothing really about bringing the country together, together healing the country, whatever you want to call it, uh, except for you know bringing an end to protests. But all that's pretty complicated, I would say. Um, and I'm not sure anything Donald Trump could say at this point would be helpful. Can he, can he really say anything that you'd be like, yeah, that was a great speech. I can't believe uh, Trump said that, and, and really it's going to bring us together. Um, but the optics of setting up that speech last night certainly weren't all that reassuring if you if you read some of the reports on on how we got there. Uh, and I'll just warn you, I'm gonna be I'm gonna try to add some humor to this. I don't want to be too serious in all this, even though it's a pretty serious subject. Uh, I read one reporter, uh, New York Times reporter, and he was just rifting off social media. It wasn't like a New York Times story, so there was nothing official about this. This would have been corrected. Uh, he would have he would have probably edited this or maybe this is actually what happened but he said uh police fired tear gas rubber bullets and flashbangs and horses to clear them so trump made that walk from the white house right to the church a block away and uh got a lot of attention and that reporter he he you know rifting on facebook just said please fire tear gas rubber bullets and flashbangs and horses to clear them it's one of the it's one of the taxi, tactics, right? The French used on the Englishmen who were searching for the Holy Grail. Do you remember this? I I vaguely remember it. I I it's uh, if there were there were reports of it and and I have sound. Now this is your last chance. I'd be more than reasonable. Let a chinamash. Chinamash. If you do not agree to my commands, then I shall. Yes, that was police last night as well, firing horses off catapults at peaceful protesters to clear them out of the the area of the church where Trump delivered his speech. 
And I think the uh, another exchange from from that 1975 movie. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. If you haven't seen that movie, Monty Python Search for the Holy Grail, I suggest watching it. And if your kids haven't seen it, right, like you got to get them to watch it. But uh, between King Arthur, this exchange between King Arthur and his band who were searching for the grail and the Frenchmen. It kind of sums up uh, what a lot of people think about Donald Trump when it comes to the aspect of, to this aspect of his presidency, right? What a strange person. Now look here, my good man. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your gender direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. <laughs> so, kind of kind of both ways. Like I feel like uh, a lot of the country is like, eh, is there someone else we could talk to? Can the pre-, you know, like the president he's 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 not exactly bringing us together. Uh you know, maybe maybe we can we can hear from somebody else. But that's where we are. Looting and rioting continued across the country in Madison, the third straight night of protests. The Wisconsin State Journal reported this just not, to, not you know, today. Uh, again, peaceful protest. Again, property damage, looting. Again, the cleanup. And they continue uh, this report if you want to check it out in the Madison, uh, Wisconsin State Journal. Third straight night, violence followed a mostly peaceful protest in downtown Madison Monday and into early Tuesday morning, distracting from activists call to address police violence against black people after the death of George Floyd. Uh, they, they quote here, uh, co-owner of Art, Art Gecko uh, was definitely a group of 10 to 15 hell-bent on destruction and at least 50 to 70 going along with it. There was zero political message going on, he said. Uh, people began looting, breaking into stores, spray-painting graffiti just, af- just before 1 a.m., so right the sun goes down. Other stuff is involved, but uh, after the protests at the top of the State Street were allowed to continue in violation of the city's 930 curfew. Uh, the earlier demonstrations were largely peaceful, although there was some graffiti reported, including paint poured over the iconic forward statue near the intersection of uh, Miffin, Carroll, and State Streets. Barricades, construction fences, and other items also moved into the roadway, police said. Even former Governor Wisconsin Walker is getting on in on this. He got in on Trump's speech last night on Twitter, of course. Scott Walker loves to use Twitter as well, or he did, uh, saying, uh, tw- this is what Scott Walker tweeted, hard to imagine any other president of the United States having the guts to walk out of the White House like this. Uh, about an hour ago, it, got, it, it was at like 26,000 retweets, 55,000 likes. Uh, the tweet included a black and white photo of Trump and his, his his band, right? His band of Holy Grail searchers walking from the White House across Lafayette Square to St. John's Episcopal Church for a photo op in front of that church. Uh, the historic church has been damaged by fire and protests Sunday night over the death of George Floyd, of course. Uh, on uh, and then some people, if you if you get into the retweets, uh, some people pointed out that. In 1912, in October of 1912, Theodore Roosevelt, while campaigning in Milwaukee, was shot by a disgruntled New Yorker while heading to make that speech at what is now Miller High Life Theater. And uh, I think he continued that speech, if uh, history serves correct. Um, anyway, so that's that's where we're at. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. What we're gonna what we're gonna do here, coming back from the news, I have. Uh, a Twin Cities native. I think he's a St. Paul native. His name's Robert Ellis. He's a musician. He's a black guy. 
his guitar, he plays guitar in a band called Gray Fox. And he, he's, he's been witnessing to all the things that have happened in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk to him. Had a nice conversation with him yesterday for a bit. And then I was like, man, I wish we would have recorded this conversation. So, uh, because it was, it was so great. It was so interesting to hear uh, his perspective on everything and, and what he's, he witnessed the last, you know, days of uh, that, that have been going on up there in the Twin Cities. So, all right, when we come back, we're going to hit Scott's comment, the news. I'm going to call Robert Ellis up and we'll talk to him after this. With it. Usually this little thing means I'm getting a weather update, but I don't hear it. So usually I get a sounder. So we'll just go. Uh, Robert Ellis is on the phone with me. He is a St. Paul native. Are you, were you born in St. Paul, Robert? No, I was actually born in uh, St. Louis Park, Minnesota, just out, uh, just west of uh, Minneapolis. Okay. So in other words, from everyone that lives in La Crosse, uh, Twin Cities. He's born in the Twin Cities. Yeah. We got it. I was born in the <laughs> Twin Cities. Born yeah. and raised. Yeah. Um, all right, so the last couple of nights, uh, you know, I guess, we'll, like, like, first off, that was your band, Gray Fox, Gray with an E, and uh, you're a guitarist, and uh, you're a black guy, and you're a guitarist, and you're into rock music, so that's, uh, you know, right away when I started talking to you yesterday, I'm like, oh, is he going to be, like, a rapper or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, how did you, you know, the, the, and you guys are into, like, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, kind of that, that kind of that kind of music, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, growing up in St. Louis Park, um, you know, I was kind of, all my friends were listening to, to KQ and rock music, so I'm, I'm definitely a product of my environment. And uh, I kind of got into playing guitar around sixth grade and uh, haven't stopped since, haven't stopped since. Yeah, it's one of them. It's one of the deals. I, I feel like all kids should learn how to play an instrument. It just, I think, it gives them a certain amount of focus and and even helps with like memory and I don't know. So like, and we don't have to get into that all. But I do, I do really think uh, stuff like that like helps kids out just as they're as they're growing up. Um, yeah. And clearly, it, it helped you. I, I think that song that, that song sounded pretty awesome. Um, all right, so you you've you've witnessed a lot of this stuff that's happened the last couple of days. How was last night? We, has have, have things settled down around there in the Twin Cities? You live you live not far away from uh, a police station in St. Paul, right? Yeah, there's pretty much uh, three areas uh, in the last four or five days where a lot of the uh, the protesting and the uh, the agitators have, have pretty much focused on, and that's the Midway in St. Paul, where I live. The uh, the third precinct in Minneapolis, where uh, the cop that murdered Mr. Floyd worked, and the fifth precinct, which is one of our main precincts in Minneapolis, and uh, I live a couple blocks from the Midway area, and uh, thankfully, uh, my area was mostly hit on the very first, uh, the the night that the precinct got burned down, and since then, my community's been really, really pulled together to, to clean it up, and uh, so things have been going well where I am, and last night in general, uh, in all three areas, Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, things are a lot more peaceful. Um, the guard is actually getting ready to return to their homes and work, and uh, we're getting back to good. You feel like the National Guard being out there helped a little bit? Uh, yeah, I do think it helped a little bit. Um, one of the things that really struck me about the guard is um, as they interacted with protesters, you can tell that being from our home state and maybe like a week ago sitting at home saying maybe I'll get out there with, you know, the protesters, 
to be activated and now be on the ground. Um, I wouldn't say against the protesters, but, uh, you know, controlling, uh, in, in charge of, you know, controlling those crowds. Uh, you saw a lot of, you know, afraid faces, confused guardsmen. But uh, by the third day, uh, by the second day when, you know, uh, they had a much more clear purpose, uh, the interaction with the guard went really well, really well. Yeah, I think everybody is probably <laughs> a little bit confused, a little bit scared, and, and probably at, at some point tiptoeing uh, their way, you know, through things. Um, okay, so you were at the per- precinct. So they're uh, one of those police stations in Minneapolis. They they got inside there. They burned it down. Uh, you you were right there, huh? Can you can you describe that the the, le- the night leading up to that and 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 you know what happened as that was going on and afterwards? Sure. Uh, well, I spent uh, most of the third precinct night at the uh, more peaceful protest that is uh, at Cup Foods, Cup CUP in Minneapolis, uh, where Mr. Floyd was killed. And uh, that's where uh, the first couple nights there were some clashes between those protesters. But since then, that's been um, uh, a very peaceful protest. Um, later on, so I spent most of the day there and uh, got to the precinct that night um, around maybe 9.30. And uh, as I was approaching the protest, uh, there were actually people leaving the protest. And when I asked them, you know, what was going on, how things were going up there, they were telling me that things were just about to reach kind of a a critical mass level. Now, were the streets just packed here, Robert? Uh, Were they just, you know... Shoulder to shoulder, everybody, or you know, what was the scene? What did the scene look like? It's really interesting. Approaching, um, there were you know citizens in the in the neighborhood that were in front of their houses, of course, trying to you know protect their 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 places where they lived. And uh, the streets were uh, pretty filled um, when you were approaching, like five or six blocks away. And as you got closer, the streets got more and more packed. To when I got about two blocks away from the uh, the protest, one of the first fires of this whole thing had already been started at the auto zone, and um, you know it was later found out that that was one of the first fires that the uh, that these kind of infiltrator, these antagonist folks had started, and uh, that was actually just burning and the roof collapsed just as I came around the corner. So, but, you know, nobody was looking to leave after that. Uh, There was a really thick crowd uh, pretty deep around the precinct. And as we approached, uh, you could see there were three three or four snipers that the mayor had actually told the police officers uh, not to to take those snipers off of the top of uh, the precinct. And the police department in one of its three or four defilements of the mayor during this whole thing, uh, they kept the snipers up there. So no other police officers in the precinct uh, besides the snipers that were on top of the building. Now, uh, again, we're speaking with Robert Ellis. He's a musician up in the Twin Cities. He, he's a St. Paul native. He's a black guy. Uh, he was at, all, at a couple of these protests where, again, he's describing the third precinct. Uh, we're getting to it as a, that, that burned down uh, a couple of nights ago by protesters that burned it down. Now, did you were you scared at all? You're out here. You're in the mix with all these people. Um, you know, like it, it, maybe when you get home, you start reading about the weird agitators that were out and about. I don't know. Could you uh-huh. tell that something was a little off about uh, protest, the the protest or what was going on or, or not at all? 
Uh, definitely. Um, so just as I approached, I actually came in close contact with one of the agitators who was moving towards through the crowd in my area. And uh, he said, you know, and this is what was so out of place about it is he was walking through the crowd and, and he was saying, you know, why don't we have any Molotov cocktails? You know, they're really simple to make. And then he started listing off the ingredients of how you make a Molotov cocktail. And uh, what was real heartening about that moment is the protest, we had, we had heard about them, at, um, or at least a, a rumor of them from the previous two nights. And so immediately all the protesters in the area were like, you need to shut up. We know exactly who you are and what you're doing here, and it's not welcome. And he moved to another part of the crowd. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, um, that was definitely out of the ordinary. And they've been they've been identified several times. If you read a lot of the local news around here, uh, we have a lot of information about uh, what their activities are around here, at, at least. Yeah. But, it, um, are are you mm-hmm. taking in a lot of that local news? And are, do you feel like they're oh. they're representing what has happened the last couple of days pretty well? Um, I feel like. Um, the, our news is being extremely careful about uh, what they report because there's so much uh, information that's just not confirmed yet because we're too busy dealing with trying to gain control of our streets, protect peaceful protesters, and, uh, you know, return the military to, to their homes. Um, so I think investigators are are on the job. and. As things become, as rumors become confirmed, uh, that's really the only time that you hear the news really taking a, a hardcore stance on this is what we found out about this. You know, um, there was a rumor that uh, Derek Chauvin, the, the officer that, that uh, killed Mr. Floyd, um, had escaped and fled to Florida for a little while, and that turned out to be you know, a false news. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've seen so many stories. The mugshot of Derek Chauvin isn't actually Derek Chauvin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he the, the the what's interesting if you watch the video of the the after they they pick up Mr. Floyd and and put him in the ambulance, those aren't first responders; those are other police yeah. officers. So that's always kind of, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but all right. So Robert Ellis, St. Paul native musician, guitarist, black guy witnessing all this stuff. I'm sorry if I hate to say black guy, but, but, but well, this is radio, Robert. And I, I, I were a pretty white community here and I wanted to I get, understand. I wanted to get a black person's perspective because I don't think, uh, so what's, what's happened in lacrosse, Robert is pretty peaceful protests we seem to be immune to a lot of this stuff in a in a way because uh you know there's not a whole lot of violence there's not a whole lot of uh, stuff like that even when it comes to COVID 19 where we've been pretty immune we've had 60 cases in our county uh total Mm. so like we so it's always it's it's always great to have somebody come in and give a different perspective on things that are affecting everybody and we're reading about this and hearing about this every day but maybe we don't exactly you know, hear about it from a firsthand account. So um, uh, we're going to take a break. We got to get Scott's comment, the news in here, and then we're going to come back and continue uh, uh, this conversation with Robert Ellis uh, after this. Stay tuned.
right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. If you want to text in some questions, we're got, again, we're talking with Robert Ellis. He's a St. Paul native. He, he's he been at these protests the last couple of nights. Well, maybe not the last couple of nights, but maybe the first couple of nights. Uh, this, uh-huh. is his, this is his band, Gray Fox. What song is this, Robert? Uh, this song's called Trouble Time, and the uh, album's called Castle Black. Castle Black. You can check it out on YouTube. That's uh, that's where I'm playing this from. Uh, Robert's a, a guitarist in that band. And, uh, again, uh, the, uh, thanks a lot for coming on and just kind of, like, ex- describing the scenes that have happened in, in Minneapolis and, uh, you know, St. Paul and, and just what's gone down the last, you know, week or so, I, I would say now. And, you know, something that, that lacrosse uh, we've been a little bit immune to. We haven't exactly had to experience any of this stuff. We've had we've had protests and we've had, uh, you know, peaceful protests, I would say. Uh, a couple of times there might be, I think there might be one even coming up in the next couple of days here as well. But, uh, all right, so what we were talking about before the break, as we were getting into uh, that the third precinct in Minneapolis and, um, you, you were talking about there were some snipers on the roof as people had gotten inside the building, and eventually that building got burned down. So, yeah, if you want to continue there, I mean, do, were, you, were you a little scared when, when a police station goes on fire and you're kind of witnessing it and maybe thinking maybe there might be some retaliation here by the armed for, the, 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 the police department? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely. Um, there was a... There was definitely a, uh, a feeling that, uh, you know, uh, a clash was about to occur when I got there. Um, and there was already evidence of tear gas already being fired earlier in the evening, but I, I couldn't tell you what time that was. And right, right down the block, of course, the fire department is fighting the fire. And uh, a gentleman was riding his bike behind the precinct, and I don't think he was part of the protest. I think he was just trying to get home. And uh, I don't know if he was aware that, uh, you know, he he had obviously dodged Lake Street and tried to, you know, uh, get behind uh, all the protesters to get home. And maybe unknowingly, he he drove the the alleyway behind the precinct, and uh, I could— you know, the people that were standing around me, we could see one of the snipers tap the other one on the shoulder. And he just leaned over the side of the building and uh, shot the gentleman, a white gentleman, uh, in the head with one of those rubber bullets that knocked off his bike helmet and then shot him again as he fell. And uh, me and about three other protesters, uh, you know, took a couple steps toward him and the sniper raised his gun at us, and we raised up our hands, and we started yelling, you know, just let us get him out of there. And uh, the crowd started yelling, don't shoot him. And we took a couple steps forward to grab him and uh, grabbed him and his bike. And, you know, uh, I think one of the moments that I'll never really forget about the whole thing is, you know, picking him up and taking a couple steps away, and that's when they fired the, uh, the gas at us. And, uh, you know, I don't know why they fired the gas at that very moment. Maybe the crowd decided that it was time to, you know, make their move. But uh, after I got gas, there were plenty of of people in the protest that were prepared with all the mixtures and the milk that you need to, you know, get it out of your eyes and face. And, And then we just started running. 
and uh, the crowd decided, you know, a good portion of the crowd started running at that point. And as I got about, you know, three blocks away, that's when I heard, uh, you know, kind of like the sound of when you're approaching, uh, I, I would assume, Lambeau Field where you are and you're still in the parking lot. And, uh, you know, good old Aaron Rodgers, who I love so much, uh, <laughs> throws a touchdown and you can hear the cheer in the distance and uh, a gigantic boom. And um, from what I understand, you know, uh, looking back to the events of the night, that was when they stormed the, uh, stormed the precinct, set fires inside, and uh, burned the precinct down. And at that and, point, oh, at that point, are you ahead. like, okay, I'm out. I got to go. <laughs> I don't know. Do you we stick were, around? Well, well, actually, I had, uh, I had my, um, I had uh, a lot of people with me, um, younger people with me, that I was purposely there to attend the protest, but also to protect them. So I was a good three or four blocks away already. And I, you know, me and my party had been maced really close, or uh, gassed really close, so... I mean, I, we, we we had trouble seeing. There wasn't much more that we could do at the protest. Uh, so my main goal was to get them out of there. And uh, as we were leaving, that's where they were setting up the hardcore barriers around the uh, the perimeter to start making arrests. And, uh, you know, although that happened, the rest of the evening was, even though the precinct got burned to the ground, uh, the end of that evening turned out far, far, far better than uh, I think our community could have uh, could have expected. No one was killed. No police officers or protesters were killed uh, that evening, and the fires didn't kill anybody that um, that evening. And uh, as that that particular piece of destruction is the only thing that I could attribute to the protesters. Uh, the rest has been the the, the um, antagonist. So sure. Uh, again, we're speaking with Robert Ellis, a St. Paul native. He's been witnessing uh, a lot of what's going on up there in the Twin Cities and St. Or Twin Cities area. Um, so, so now, the, the, obviously, the news is going to report more so that you know the the precinct burned down, the fires, uh, the vandalism, the agitators. That stuff's always so much more interesting than the next day, the cleanup. Did you did, were you witness to that? Did you get out and and, and do some of that stuff, or, or can you talk about that if you experienced yeah. it? If you if you didn't, I'm, I mean that's okay too. I've uh, other no, people no. I know, but I would love to talk about the you know the more positive sides of you know what's happened in our community. Um, you know, the next couple of days after, right up to today, uh, a lot of our uh, the three areas where where the protests have been focused on, all those stores are boarded up. So it's uh, it's caused a real uh, resource, you know, desert in a lot of communities that need resources the most. Some of our most impoverished and economically challenged communities. So um, one of the things that is most beautiful about a movement like this is um, white allies who are especially um, questioning about what their role is in this whole thing have pretty much taken up the uh, the mantle with you know uh, people of color in the community to to help rebuild these communities. So the 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 amount of supplies that we have managed to amass in such a short time immediately pretty much 
uh, just boggles the mind uh, on a daily basis, organized. We don't really have any uh, leaders, community leaders, that are leading uh, all these different areas, efforts around. This is purely the will of the people, uh, people getting together in groups of 20 to 30 to uh, you know, to meet at these places to distribute supplies, it's it's amazing. It it really it really uh, in such a time of tragedy, it's what keeps you going and waking up the next day to you know to go out there and and, and kind of face the world. Um, again, we're talking about we're talking to Robert Ellis, the St. Paul native. Uh, now, when when this stuff went down, this started first started going down. Uh, mayor Fry, Minneapolis Mayor Fry, he's not your mayor, right? Like you have a you have a different mayor, but Governor Walls also. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about? We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but the the handling of that, and you you were speaking of of leaders, but we could just go right to the top here. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of Mayor Fry at first, and then? Uh, and I don't know a whole lot of history about Mayor Fry. I don't know if he's. I think this is this his first term as mayor. This, yes, uh, both of our mayors, uh, uh, Melvin Carter in St. Paul and Mayor Frey in uh, in Minneapolis, are first term mayors. And uh, you know, Mayor Frey, I just think he was not. Uh, he's a great guy, and he did his best. But I don't think that he, and he should have. He should have anticipated. We've had problems with our police department since I was a teenager. You know, North Minneapolis and the police brutality uh, when we were having the high times of our uh, gang problems in North Minneapolis. Are Minneapolis is actually the very first community to put up a police brutality phone line that you could call in the nation. That that counts New York, L.A. Chicago, we're the very first uh, state, city to, to have a police brutality line. So I just don't think that, uh, and he inherited a police department that was under a lot of scrutiny. Our, uh, um, we have a, uh, a gentleman named Bob Kroll, who is uh, the officer who is in charge of our police union, who, you know, throughout the last, you know, five or six years has made countless racist statements. You can ju- you can just Google him, Bob Kroll, oh, and yeah. read all about him. I mean, he put, out, he put out a statement the other day. I don't know if it was supposed to be yeah. public, but somebody got a hold of it, and it's pretty awful. <laughs> it's terrible. So, I mean, he, uh, I think Mayor Frey, you know, uh, knew that he was uh, inheriting that problem, and when this came up, he was just completely blindsided. And although he seems to be a good gentleman, I don't think he had the, the backbone to really stand up against the police department like he needed to. They defied his orders several times throughout uh, this process the last few days, to the point where, you know, by the second night, uh, Governor Walls really had to step in and kind of take the reins, which he has um, very effectively. Um, I think there are a lot of people in the black community who, of course, uh, we desire much more. All four of these officers should be in jail now, um, already awaiting trial. But, um, you know, he's doing the best he can with fighting against a police department that is obviously against him. and you know, there's lot, there's lots of other things. Uh, we're we're having a lot of Jim Crow like events, where uh, people are receiving letters at home that 
read like the old time letters that you got with your burning cross in your front yard, like we know who you are and that you're involved with the protest and um, white and black people are being threatened by these mysterious groups who are driving around with these cars with no license plates, which they are more than willing to abandon and police and authorities and our National Guard have found weapons inside of these vehicles. So, I mean, we're definitely being assaulted by a terrorist group while we're dealing with COVID and we're dealing with, you know, uh, Mr. Floyd's death. Yeah. And the police in general, it's hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around all of it because it's like, you know, you have these, whatever those groups are, and then you got to depend on the police to protect you from them. But also this is a sort of a protest against the police for what they did to you. And, uh, and you know, then the national guard comes in and, and maybe you could place your trust in them. I know governor walls is like a 27 year veteran. Uh, he left yeah. the national guard with the highest ranking ever. So as a national guard member, so, uh, you know, maybe there's some, some, you know, a safety net in, in feeling that the governor might, might be able to, to, to handle this a little bit. And our communities are definitely defending, uh, there are a lot of people around um, the Twin Cities that will tell you um, they were not comfortable with uh, depending on the police and the military to protect their communities and have uh, defended their own communities. There are also lots of instances. Uh, one of our one of the stories, one of the great stories that's been going around is uh, the the night of the fifth precinct, which I believe would have been. Uh, Friday, um, one of the police officers in a line of officers uh, um, controlling the crowd was separated from his group. And um, the uh, some of the protesters, maybe some of the antagonists, definitely uh, crowded around him and started piling on him. And a group of uh, Black protesters um, surrounded him, calmed the crowd, and returned him to his group. So, you know, these things are happening as well, which brings our community closer together. Even though we are clashing with these people, we all live here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do you feel like growing up, too, again, talking to Robert Ellis, the St. Paul native, uh, you know, we're talking about what's been going down in the Twin Cities area the last couple of days. Uh, You know, growing up, up there in the twin cities and you you talk about the 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 police and 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 not being able to trust them i i was reading some stories and this is just one of these deals where you're like oh i never thought about that but this is kind of a if you bear with me a second there was a a story is essentially a a white girl and a black guy their their boyfriend girlfriend and the guy needs to uh he needs to go he needs a bag to go get some grocery whatever he needs a bag and his girlfriend's here take this and it's a pink bag and the dude's like i can't take this and she's like, oh, what, you can't be walking around with a pink bag? Like, what's your problem? Just go take it. And he's like, no, if I take this and I'm walking around the city, police are going to think as a black guy that I stole this bag and therefore I, I, I got to take something that's you know a little bit more masculine. Otherwise, I'm going to mm-hmm. get you know signaled out. And I don't know, is that something that you, you think about uh, you know on a daily basis or that you have to – you know, talk to your kids about, I, I know I've heard, I've heard stories. I'm, I'm more of a sports guy. So I've heard stories about, uh, coaches in, in these, you know, bigger areas, they, they, they sit their kids down, basketball coaches, 
they take a section of practice out to sit their kids down and, hey, if you get pulled over, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to say. You need to be respectful. You need to have your license out so you don't have to go reaching for it. Um, I don't know. Is that stuff that's consciously on your mind, Robert, and, and stuff that maybe you talk? I don't know if you have kids, but if you talk to your kids mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, family members about. Definitely. Uh, since uh Earlier, I alluded to uh, the rise of gang violence in North Minneapolis uh, and the police brutality that was a result of, uh, or the cause of that, uh, however you prefer to look at it. Um, That's when that kind of training began. But if you really want to look at it, I mean, black folks have been training their kids for that since slavery times. Um, you know, stay out of the white man's way. But definitely uh, since the mid-'90s, that has been a pretty, a, pretty, uh, a pretty routine thing to start teaching your children as young as 10 years old. You know, uh, don't be out there. If you do, uh, you know, make sure that, like you said, you have your identification. Always be respectful. Always show your hands. And uh, But, you know, we found over the years that, you can do all that you want to, but, I mean, when I drive by a police officer in Minneapolis, and, and you know, I'm from St. Louis Park. As a black man in Minneapolis, I got a good education. I got a leg up. And uh, I'm, you know, not doing anything wrong, but there is a, there is a anxiety that feels like uh, any anxiety that you might have before you're about to do something really fearful. You know, you get that, that squeezing in your chest that, uh, that fight-or-flight um, response is, is hardcore, even when you're just on your way to work in the morning and you drive by a police officer. Um, yeah. it's, really, it's really tense in our city. Uh, we're very afraid. They are also very afraid, and it's palpable when the, the two communities meet up. So Sure. All right, Robert, I think that that is all the time I have. Thanks a lot for spending the hour with us and, and kind of giving us a, a perspective I don't think a lot of people in lacrosse would have had otherwise. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. See ya. See ya. All right, that was Robert Ellis, St. Paul native. Check him out. Check out his, his band, Gray Fox. Uh, you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap up after this on, on Wisdom. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here to wrap up a little bit. Thanks a lot to Robert Ellis for spending the hour with us. And really, really interesting conversation, I thought. I, thanks to me, you know, thanks to Robert. Uh, giving a perspective that I would have, you know, never heard. And, you know, you could read about that stuff. And, and I think it's, it comes it comes off a little different when you hear hear it from somebody that experienced all that. Uh, we're going to go to the phones here. Eric from Sparta is very patient, waiting on hold. I will put him on. Eric from Sparta, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of more this guy. Why, why didn't you have any questions to ask this guy? I, I was kind of wondering what kind of guitar he has. I don't think he knows what kind of guitar he has. I don't believe that at all. I think he's one of your shows you have in your program for your left wing radical. And number two, who the hell does Christy uh, Cabot think she has for. All right. <laughs> Eric from Sparta doesn't believe anything. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I will say I started the show talking about Trump's speech from yesterday and, and kind of the, the lead up to it and, and the antics around it, the tear gassing. And we, we try to have some fun with it. 
but uh the the optics of that were were super weird and I think he he was holed up in a in a, the 911 bunker, the bunker that was reinforced since 911 that hasn't been used since 911. He was he was holed up in there and and I was reading how he apparently he was he he felt shame for being in there and and needed to, you know, take that walk from the White House to the church down the down the block and and make that speech which didn't bring anyone together, but um on the flip side I, I see a lot of and Trump was holding a bible during this speech which I thought you know for whatever whatever you want to think I don't know if that's appropriate or inappropriate but uh or necessary is what I wanted to, what I'm trying to say but um there's a there's a meme going around where Adolf Hitler is holding a bible and Donald Trump's holding a bible those pictures are next to each other that picture is fake Adolf Hitler he's not holding a bible in that picture it's a Getty image picture uh you can go look it up it's not if you, if you see a meme like that, just tell tell whoever on social media that that picture's fake. It's not helping. Not helping at all. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I think we might bring on a Gunderson doctor tomorrow. I'll talk a little bit. Get, get a little COVID update. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening.